This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Tuesday, April 18th, 2023. I'm Caleb Brown. Taxpayers are often at a loss to understand why they owe the specific amount they owe. And complying with our complicated system of taxation costs Americans billions of hours each year. Cato's Adam Michelle explains some of his proposals to vastly simplify the process of paying taxes. How much time do Americans spend doing their taxes? I know I hear it every year, but what is it roughly? Too much time for for starters. The, the estimates are about for individuals actually sitting down and filling out their tax returns. It's like two billion hours every year, which is uh, um, tens of billions worth of dollars if you sort of cost that out with the the opportunity cost that uh, that they could have been spending doing something else. So uh, that alone is a huge waste, and 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 that that should be enough. Just if if we're not looking at any other costs just the time commitment for average Americans in terms of trying to comply with our Byzantine and Kafkaesque uh, tax code. Um, so simplifying that, what does that look like? Yeah, well, the you're right. It's it's not just the time that that people spend complying with it. It's the anxiety over not understanding sort of what they're what they're what they're complying with and what ultimately gets spit out at the end. When people go to sit down their t- taxes, most people do it with a, a, an accountant or through a program. And the both of those uh, options basically just ask you a long list of questions and then the sort of uninterpretable number gets spit out the end that you have a refund or you, or you owe the government money. Uh, and so so there's that piece of of the cost. There's the actual money that we're paying in taxes. That's it's the that's the real cost, uh, and then. Uh, but so if, if you sort of take the, the that we're going to tax people for for granted, the question is how do we simplify the system so that people aren't uh, so that it's more understandable to folks and they can uh, they they sort of understand what what they're filing for and what's going to come out at the end. And so there's a handful of I think pretty straightforward ways to simplify individual tax paying uh, that hopefully we can get into. Okay, so what for individuals doing their own returns, the simplifying process, what are what's step one to make that a simpler, more coherent, I mean, and understandable, as you mentioned, process for Americans? If so, for many Americans, especially lower income folks with kids, uh, the just how a child qualifies for you for tax benefits is incredibly complicated. And if politicians want to subsidize children through the tax code, I'd rather they didn't. But if they're going to, we should at least have sort of one definition of child and one definition of dependent rather than six like we currently have. Uh, Similarly, if you're claiming uh, if you're uh, going to college and you have education expenses, the the tax code currently has 15 different ways that it interacts with the higher education system. That's ridiculous. We should have, it, again, if, if we're going to subsidize higher education to the tax code, which is a big if, we shouldn't. Uh, but if we are, shouldn't it just be one, one way we do that? One credit has one set of definitions. Uh, one of the other... Uh proposals you have in your paper is to simplify savings programs. Now, if you are employed, there are myriad ways that you can save. Even if you just go online to uh, Fidelity or Schwab or one of these other companies uh, that provides these services, there's a laundry list of different tax-advantaged savings plans for individuals. 
There are, and they all have different income requirements and different job type requirements. They have different phase-out rates depending on your income, how much you can put into these accounts. Uh, all of this scares people off from saving, frankly. Uh, I, I think so. On the retirement side, we should have a couple streamlined accounts that are are simple and easy to access for everyone. But I think the sort of bigger issue here is the is the rules that the the federal government draws around you only being able to save for retirement. And that's why I think uh, we also need to add something called what we call a universal savings account. And this is, would you be just like your retirement savings account, but you can save for things other than retirement. You could save for the the sort of next emergency that you might have in your life for saving for a down payment on a house, for starting a new business. Uh, especially for younger people and and lower income folks, the uh, the barrier to saving is the fear of locking up your money until you retire. If I put my money in my retirement account, how am I? I'm never going to be able. To, I'm, uh, what if I need to access it? And then the government levies a penalty on you if you do need to access it. So, a universal savings account is like an on ramp to the more general retirement savings uh, um, sort of apparatus. And uh, Chris Edwards at the Cato Institute has been beating this drum for at least a decade, uh, universal savings accounts, making it a very easy tax advantage way to engage in saving uh, as just as a general matter. Exactly. Chris has, has written a lot on this. They're incredibly popular in the UK and Canada. Uh, they We actually have real world, real, real, real world experience that shows that People, younger people tend to have higher uptake of these types of accounts so that they, so you sort of get in the habit of savings, even if you need to pull the money out for an emergency, it gets you in the habit of putting that money down uh, on a regular basis, which then sets you up for, for retirement, for actually using the retirement savings accounts when, when you get there. One of your suggestions in your uh, Cato briefing paper is eliminating itemized deductions. This has to implicate the relatively few remaining people who are allowed even to take advantage of the mortgage interest deduction, which I think most economists would agree is something that ought to go away anyway. So the 2017 tax reform moved uh, most Americans from the filing as itemizers to the standard deduction. We used to have about 30% of itemizers. Now we have 10. So what I'm calling for is just finishing the job, moving the rest of the people to the simpler uh, standard deduction system. The itemized list is actually 14 different things that sort of qualify for this list. One of them is the mortgage interest deduction. Another one is the state and local uh, tax deduction. None of these things are particularly well suited to the policy goals that people think they are. You mentioned the mortgage interest deduction. It most, mostly just subsidizes higher income folks and older people uh, living in larger houses. It doesn't really do a whole lot to expand the housing supply or make it easier for people to, to buy houses. So uh, I think it's better to get rid of all of this junk, uh, simplify the tax code, and use the savings to lower rates uh, across the board for everyone. Let me throw an idea at you. By way of conclusion, there are 168 million item, uh, individual tax returns that are filed each year. What if there were just 50? <laughs> that that would be significantly simpler. Uh, Let's say Idaho. Here's your tax return. California. Here's your tax return. The I think anything we can do to 
make uh, make tax paying simpler is is good. If if we can get there, uh, repeal the Sixteenth Amendment, which I know you're you're a fan of. Uh, let's get rid of the income tax altogether. Uh, great, but in the meantime, we can make some simple marginal reforms to make tax paying easier for for individuals, especially as everyone is going to uh, to file their their returns uh, over the weekend if they haven't already. Adam Michelle directs tax policy studies at the Cato Institute. Subscribe to and rate the Cato Daily Podcast and follow us on Twitter at Cato Podcast.